Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome to another special release of Investor Stories. On this installment, the experts discuss a startup that they did not invest in, why they passed, and if there was a key learning that now informs their approach. Here's the segment called Why I Passed. On today's special segment, we have Rebecca Caden of Union Square Ventures. Rebecca, this is the anti-portfolio question. Can you tell us okay. about a good or bad pass, um, a story about a startup that you passed on? Sure. Definitely. I mean, I obsess way more on the bad passes than I do on the good passes. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, and there have definitely been a a bunch of those, but the one that comes to mind that I feel like I've learned the most from, um, is Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix was one of the earliest companies I actually saw at Mavron. Um, Katrina Lake, who's the CEO, was someone I knew. Um, so I, you know, had felt like, okay, I'm bringing this in. I know Katrina. She's so great. And, you know, we passed, and I say we because I, you know, I was associated at the time, so I beat myself up about it, but I, I probably also didn't have the authority to do anything. But I think the learning there, look, I actually think you can always justify your pass. I can tell you why we passed, and you'd be like, okay, sure, fine, right? You, the easiest thing to do in venture is to pass. But what we should have seen that should have made us do this was how good of a recruiter she was. And since then, I feel like I've learned through data often that, I think the thing that most correlates with eventual success is can the founder in early days convince people to join them before it's obvious and convince a caliber of people to join them before it's obvious that really makes you pause and say, wow. And Katrina, even then, even when Stitch Fix was so early, even when it really wasn't obvious, had convinced phenomenal people to join her. You know, the first being Mike Smith, who had been, who had ran walmart.com, which is, you know, an operations madhouse. And and he was the star there and he had joined her as COO. And that was only the first of many um, person who ran algorithms out of Netflix. We actually introduced her to someone who had run head of people ops for both Starbucks and Lululemon at a dinner, literally a week later, she had convinced her to join. And those kind of data points are extremely significant in understanding an eventual success because companies are built by founders and founders who are forces of nature and are able to build the best teams are going to win. And that's what we should have seen there. Awesome. On today's special segment, we have James Hardiman of Data Collective. James, whether it be a good or a bad pass, can you talk about a startup that you passed on and why it was that you passed? Yeah, generally I'll talk about maybe one one bias that we have. So I think there's you know there's some passes 
that we've made where the technical diligence hasn't come back very strong. And so because of that, we've kind of made the conclusion like, you know, this really isn't in scope for us. There's not, the tech isn't deep enough, if you will. Um, but those com- companies, you know, maybe ultimately drive, you know, to big outcomes. You know, I think the lesson there is, you know, maybe an obvious statement, you know, you don't need, you don't need the best tech to build, you know, the best company necessarily. I think inferior tech with great execution, you know, good sales and marketing and distribution um, can certainly beat better tech. Interesting. Um, and so I think, you know, I think that's, you know, that's important to appreciate. I think we've made the decision that we might miss those wins, but that's okay. It's important for us to, you know, to consistently be investing in, in the best tech and then try and drive those teams towards the best execution, the best sales, the best marketing and the best distribution. But there's certainly been companies that I've, you know, I've passed on because at the time, maybe the tech didn't feel like it was, it was that differentiated, but then have gone on to be very successful. I think the other bias that that sometimes I've made is, you know, not wanting to invest because I felt the price was too high. And this is one that I think I'm still struggling with as an investor. You know, the one the one that comes to mind right now that's, you know, already realized an exit, there was a company called Newtonomy that was working on self-driving cars. When I was talking to them uh, several years ago and this was before kind of the hype around this industry before, you know, the cruise acquisition for a billion dollars. You know, they were looking to raise, you know, a, a smallish round on, you know, a, a well-priced note, I think $40 million cap or so. And I just couldn't kind of get conviction at that price point. I felt it was, it was out of market. Now that company went on to sell, um, I actually forgot who acquired it, but for, you know, 400, $450 million. And so in hindsight, you know, that certainly would have been, you know, would have been a good investment for us. And I think, you know, the lesson that I learned here is, you know, there's oftentimes not, it's hard to get a good deal on startups. And if you feel like you, <laughs> if you feel like you got a good deal, you know, you probably didn't. And companies where I've, I've invested because I felt the price was, you know, was low, like, oh, this is a steal, you know, tend not to always do that well. And so I think there's, you know, there's a lesson there to not, you know, not be too price sensitive, you know, because the best companies will, you know, will hopefully live up to those valuations. That's right. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to PacWest.com to learn more. On today's special segment, we have Evangelos Samudis of Synapse Partners. 
Evangelos, can you tell us about a good or a bad pass? Um, a story about a startup that you chose not to invest in. Um, so um, we uh, we we chose um, not to uh, um, not to invest in um, uh, uh, a mapping uh, uh, company uh, and uh, a, a perception uh, a perception company. Uh, and, and both of those, um, we, uh, uh, I think we are going to prove to be bad, uh, bad decisions on us. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, we, uh, uh, again, we continue to have uh, very good uh, interactions with their, with their teams. And, um, you know, you know that, that, uh, the, the valuations right now are uh, prohibitive for us, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, we uh, we think that they're in both cases they're creating uh, uh, they, they will be important uh, members of the of this new ecosystem. Do, do you re- remember the reasons why you chose to pass, and has it kind of adjusted maybe your your eval process? Um, you know the, um, the the reasons that that we in in, in both cases um, was um, uh, because of what we saw as the again as I said we do a lot of scoring and um, the we had certain certain questions about the management team and and how they were how they were scored. Um, and uh, in, in uh, we also had certain questions about the technology, and, and uh, as it turns out, um, the in both cases they've made uh, some key hires that um, have enabled. Um, uh, I'm sorry, key hires, and they, they've they've struck a, a couple of partnerships uh, with large corporations that enable them at least what it appears for the time being. To um, to have overcome at least what we had perceived as, um, as shortcomings. Got it. And finally, um, Evangelos, what investor has inspired and influenced you most, and why? Um, you know, when I got into the venture industry, um, I I was I consider myself very lucky to have been mentored by Alan Patrikov, um, who was uh, one of the founders of Apex Partners, and um, Alan actually uh, taught me both um, how to look at deals and not get overly excited, uh, even though I believe that sometimes I do get overly excited. Um, uh, but also how to persevere uh, through, in a sense, through thick and thin, if you will. Um, and um, I, I see, you know, Alan obviously uh, retired from uh, Apex, and now he he built uh, yet another success with Great Cross Partners. Yeah, um, he's been able to attract some really talented people around him, uh, and and continues to build a, a great company. So, so to me, he's a um, he's actually a great inspiration. And I, as I said, I consider myself lucky to have uh, been mentored by him as I was making my first steps as a as a venture investor. Excellent. And then, uh, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you? So uh, I'm I'm very good with email, uh, and my email is uh, ecmoody's at synapsepartner.co, not not nm at the end. 
Um, I also uh, have my blog. Uh, it's corporateinnovation.co. And I get messages there. And, uh, and finally, LinkedIn, uh, I, uh, I get quite a bit of traffic there. And I'm, I try to stay on top of it. Great. Well, Evangelos, it was great to read the book and uh, even more of a pleasure to, to get a chance to connect with you here and get your thoughts on the program. Uh, thanks so much for making the time and uh, look forward to connecting again soon. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me.